Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, friends. Welcome to Soul Talks. I'm so glad to have you join us here for another Soul Talk. Uh, with a special guest today, Alan Fadling, longtime friend. Uh, so thankful for you, Alan, and your ministry that you and Jem started some years ago, Unhurried Living. And uh, gosh, we just love the way that you minister to all kinds of folks, uh, pastors and leaders, uh, churches, uh, mission workers, and just all kinds of people that are wanting to to grow in the Lord, uh, especially as it relates to their, their spiritual health mm. and well-being. So welcome to Soul Talks. Thanks so much, Bill. It's a treat. I, I, I like I said a bit ago. It, there's, it's always nice to have a minute with you. Yeah, so we can, lots of ways we can connect. We've connected over <laughs> uh, over coffee and walks, yes. and uh, years ago on uh, some retreats, and uh, you were helping to lead, and was really instrumental for Christy mm. and me even before we started soul shepherding. It's hard hard to believe those so, so long ago. It's amazing. <laughs> it's <crazy>. huh? <laughs> I can remember wow. being being there with you in Idlewild and. Uh, Christy and Jim and, and the whole community. It was some good times there. So, yep. uh, yeah. So sure. today we're going to be talking about uh, a year of slowing down, uh, especially you might be listening to this podcast uh, or watching the video in our network at the very beginning of the year. And so what better time to talk about our pace of life mm. than at the start of a new year? And I can't think of anybody better to talk with about that then our friend Alan Fadling. So his new book is called A Year of Slowing Down, published by InterVarsity Press, and it comes in a, a line of books on being unhurried that Alan has written, including his, his bestseller, An Unhurried Life and an Unhurried Leader that followed that. And uh, Alan, you, you've been uh, sounding the, the call mm. for uh, a long time now around our pace of life, uh, rest, uh, uh, our intimacy with God, our reflective way of prayer and listening to God and learning to do our work and certainly our ministry out of that place of being unhurried and mm. having space in God's presence. And thank you for that message. I need it. And uh, I can't be reminded of it too much. <laughs> well, I know it's a message that matters to you and Christy too. And so I'm especially glad to have a chance to talk about this latest project. And you're right. Um, I don't know these last two or three years for, especially for people in ministry, it's been really hard not to just become profoundly hurried inside. It's been uh, it's been a new place of challenge for me in my own recovery from hurry. And one of the ways that uh, you regularly uh, practice your own unhurried living and your own slowing down is in journaling and mm. i just it so inspires me that your your book uh, a year of slowing down and these daily devotionals coming right out of scripture but speaking right into our life and our pace of life this comes out of your own pace of life and thousands of pages of journaling millions of words over, over the years yes you have uh, thought reflected felt uh, prayed through uh, and you've taken the best of the best and put them in your book. Well, you know, it might be a little bit uh, obsessive or compulsive. I don't know. I, I, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So, you know, sometimes I get started on a discipline and I can't let go of it. 
But it turns out that journaling for me has just been a beautiful way, a beautiful long obedience in the same direction to stay in conversation with God. So I I wrestle there, I think out loud there, I pour out my heart there, I complain, I I grieve, um, I confess, whatever. Not too many of the confessions made in the devotional, you know, by the way, but no sure. one wants to read those. But, you know, um, yeah, and so it's it's a gift to have been, you know, practicing this for 30 some years now. And then to actually be able to go back to 10 or 15 or 20 years ago and sort of remember where I was. And sometimes there were important encounters with God there. And so along the way, I pulled out, you know, 300 some readings uh, for this book. And yeah, it's it's been a great uh, treat to kind of be able to review like that. Yeah, I, I, I love the pitch that's on the back cover of your book, but uh, a five minute daily retreat. Mm. And, you know, if uh, if most people would have given me that idea, I kind of said, I don't know about that. But coming from Alan Fadling, I'm like, I want to read about that because this guy practices retreat, being yeah. unhurried. And so putting it into these short chunks of time, just making it accessible for everybody. I suppose that's one of the fruits of your your journaling, just slowing down and yeah. learning it, it, as you've trained. Of course, that's that's the key to the idea of the five minute daily retreat is well you don't you don't start there like the first five minutes of trying to do a five minute retreat is going to be a retreat probably not right with some years of training and becoming the kind of person who is living at the pace of jesus then you can stop in in a busy day and say i'm just going to pause and take a short moment here a a holy pause to pray to, to be quiet to appreciate god's presence and you can you can actually do that. Yeah. No, that's that's really well said. You know, the it is a journey. We are in a formational uh, process with God. I, I like to think of the five minutes as like, well, start where you are, you know, plant a seed. If you planted a seed every day and tended those well, you might be surprised what you'd have growing in a year. And then you might find that it was easier to for you to sink in and to settle into just a little five-minute moment each day to enjoy God's presence. You might find you wanted a little more than that. Uh, and that's why I'm having this conversation with you, because I wanted a little more, you know, reading <laughs> your devotionals. And I was just struck with the, the way that you wrote. And uh, it, it reminded me of you, but it was very relaxed and gentle like there was no agenda. You weren't trying to get anybody to do anything. You certainly mm. weren't preaching at anybody. And you, it, I just felt like I was reading your journal and I was mm. entering into your, your thoughts, your, your conversations and prayers. And it was just kind of like you know, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. It was just kind of <laughs> like, you know, I mean, there were some deep things that you were teaching. Some of these insights really came in. I was like, wow, that's great. But it came in a format that was very, very relational and, and relaxed and slow, uh, unhurried. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. I am so pleased that, that it came across that way to you because that was one of my intentions. I I wanted to r- write in the spirit of grace. I just, you know, one of my mentors, uh, grace was his life's message. And uh, I just, that I have taken that so to heart. I have so needed it because I can be so ungracious with myself particularly. So over time, it's been learning to be gracious to myself in the way that God is always you know, gracious with me, with, with us. 
And so I'm glad that that tone came through because I think that's important. You know, if, if ever we're going to enter into the journey of transformation that God's inviting us each into, it's only going to happen in a spirit of grace, you know, self-condemnation, self-accusation, critical voices. None of that's going to move us forward in a lasting way. Grace will. Mm-hmm. That's so good. So right off on day one, you've got a, a wonderful devotional uh, on rest is holy, drawing on uh, Genesis chapter two. And on the seventh day, God rested from the works of creation. And uh, you, you make the great point that rest is not like what we do when we run out of gas from overworking. It's not numbing and escaping and, and that sort of thing. But rest is, is Sabbath. It's resting in God. It's a holy moment. Uh, it's enjoying God. And, and as we suggested with the idea of, well, you need to do some training. That's why it's a year of slowing down. You need to do some training to learn to, to rest sort of in, in moments in time. Uh, you said, you know, this is actually hard work learning to rest like that. Yeah. And um, so I want to want to tee you up here to, to go a little deeper on this subject with us, because you said, you know, God has not given us uh, too much to do. He's given us enough time for everything. And I, I say this all the time. I teach this. I, I live into this. But sometimes I don't live into it because I, yeah. I give myself too much to do. I get and it. And so I just like you to. And I know that many of our listeners can re- can relate to this. And so talk to us about this. Yeah, no, that's that's so good. You know, it, it strikes me, especially for those of us who are really faithfully hearted people. We want to be well committed. We want to do what we do with excellence. You know, we often have an incredibly strong work ethic, but we don't have as equally a robust rest ethic. And, you know, so as a result, rest for some of us, it's not much more than work with a red line through it. It's like rest is not work. That's all it is. It's just, it's that moment where you just ran out of gas and you can't do anything else. So, oh, well, you'll have to sleep or nap or sit in your lazy boy watching, you know, ESPN, whatever. And I just think the biblical vision of rest, as you say, as a Sabbath, so much more than a Jewish rule, it's it's the very fabric of creation. It's it's how the world works that God's made. And so resting is is a gift from God, just as surely as working is a gift from God. And I would love to learn how to welcome every single gift God's giving me. And maybe the last thing I'll say is, it's helped me to remember that rest is the place where I remember who I am. And then work is the place where I express who I am. And I've gotten that backwards too many times where I'm trying to prove who I am through the work I do. And then I don't know what rest is. Rest is just an escape until I go back to proving who I am. So I just think rest is such a wonderful gift that God has given us. And that, as you say, Really, he's given us the time to do absolutely everything he's given us to do. He really has. I remember one time I was trying to get this into my body more, what you're teaching here, because my life gets crowded with endless uh, opportunities for, for ministry and, and projects that, that I love. And some yeah. of that is difficult that I don't love, but so much of it that I love. And so I was out in the backyard. And it was fall, and I just started picking up the leaves instead of waiting for the gardener to come by hand. I was totally a total waste of time, right? Krista's <laughs> like, "What are you doing out there?" <laughs> One at a time, I'm picking up the leaves and putting putting them in the bushel. And as I'm doing it, I'm saying, "Lord, you haven't given me too much to do. So how come I have too much to do? What do I need <laughs> to eliminate? 
help me, let me get rid of some of these leaves, some of these, some of this clutter in my life. Huh. And so I just did that like as a spiritual practice. So. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I, I think finding ways to believe, as you say, not just in our, you know, brain cells, in our information storage spots, but in our very you know, bodies that we were meant to live in places of deep soul rest and then work from that place that we'd probably find we could do way better work from a place of peace than we'll ever be able to do from places of anxiety and hurry. Yeah, love that. Well, you write about the gift of the long path. You mm. commented on that at the opening. And most of us don't feel like a long path is a gift, uh, to be honest, right? I mean, we, yeah. we, we sort of live in the instant society. We, we want things yesterday. Uh, and you're right that sometimes the best path is crooked. Yeah. And so I was reflecting on this and how uh, when I have hurried in making a decision for my life, uh, for soul shepherding, uh, that has not gone so well. And mm. when I have slowed it down, to be more prayerful, more relational, more process-oriented, more collaborative, uh, it, more likely to go a lot better. And so I had yeah. an example of this recently after we've hired, uh, as we've our organization has grown and going through different you know, hiring people, and uh, most of them have worked out very well. Some have not worked so well. And mm. those that haven't, sometimes what I'm talking about is the issue. So so we had a situation where we were looking to hire someone at a high level and uh, we thankfully had the wisdom to take it really slow mm. and that ended up saving what would have been a problem, uh, not only for us, but for him. Yeah. And so being more, more prayerful, uh, taking that cr quite crooked path, <laughs> uh, yeah. sometimes that's a gift, uh, you know, there, yeah. there's so much work in this example, there was so much work to be done and we got a gifted leader. We want to just get going on it, but going through the process helped us see, you know, it wasn't the best fit. Yeah, no, that that's true. And you're right. You know, we, we live in a day where people want to talk about life hacks as though your life was a computer and you could just switch a little piece of code and then you'd completely change yourself. But I think one of the reasons the long way is good, it's a gift, is some of the important work God wants to do in us simply takes time. Like for him to help us become the kind of people who are ready to receive the good things he wants to do in and through us, you just can't do that quick. You know, if, if it was only a matter of reading a book and then at the end of the book, you'd be there. Well, you could do that in a couple of days. But, you know, I think of uh, a sense of calling my wife, Jim, and I had over 30 years ago. And uh, it was kind of a word from God in a huge gathering. And it was something to the effect that we were going to share our lives with leaders. But at the time, I'm 29 and she's 26, not, not too much life yet to share. And although we've been involved in that kind of thing now for 30 years, it's only maybe been in the last 10 that it feels like that vision is being fully realized. Like mm -hmm. it took that long for God to work out some of the kinks and help me step away from some of my bad habits and help me to grow in grace in a tangible, rooted, reliable way, so that little by little now, I can be this person God called me to be a long time ago. And I'm loving it now. Now, of course, 30 years ago, I sat down with a mentor and asked him how I could make this vision happen. <laughs> you yeah. know, 
And, uh, you know, his very wise words were, you might, Alan, you might want to let God season you a bit. And, you know, he was right. Of course, at the time, he was about my age now. And so he had a different vantage point. So anyway, I think the patience with God's long way with us sometimes can be rooted in a sense that God has a lifelong work he's doing in each of us. And it's good. And sometimes the very best things just flat take time. Mm-hmm. Love that. You shared a story about with your son as a little boy. It really touched my heart. Uh, maybe it's mm. because we have grandkids now, which is just an amazing thing to me. I don't feel like I'm old enough to have four grandkids. Uh, That's little, amazing. Uh, they're all little, but still, uh, it's a, it's a, it is a great, great gift. And I know many of our listeners uh, either have young children or have grandkids or an aunt and an uncle. You know, we, we, we care about the little kids. Jesus said, unless you become like a little ch- child, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. So kids yeah. are, are so precious and we can learn so much from them. And so you tell a story of your son uh, having nightmares and being afraid of the dark and all of us caring for little kids experience that. And, and uh, yeah, tell, tell us that story and what the Lord taught you through that. Yeah, it was when our oldest was little and he would just nearly every night kind of wake up with some kind of a night terror or a, or a nightmare. He'd have visions of scary monsters and he would come from his bedroom to our bedroom and he would tell, usually come to me and tell me. And, you know, inexperienced parent, I would tell him, well, there's nothing to be afraid of. And of course you can imagine that was so helpful not (laughs) to him. Telling him he didn't need to be afraid did not help him one bit. And I just remember one time, finally, I think God's spirit sort of nudged me So I invited to come up into bed next to me. I put my arm around him and I just felt led to say, you know what? Why don't we see if Jesus is with you, maybe even in this scary dream you just had. So like, can you still see that monster you were seeing? Yeah, I can. You know, I I can see the monster. I said, well, I wonder if Jesus is there too. Do you see Jesus anywhere? It was quiet for a minute. And then he said, yes, he's there. I said, really? Well, is he saying anything or is he doing anything? And he said, yeah, he said, if I want to, I could come be with him. I said, well, do you want to? I said, and he said, I think, yeah, I do. So I I literally watched his face relax, literally watched his face relax. And within 30 seconds, he was asleep right there Mm -hmm. next to me. I was able to pick him up and, and just. I was just a few days later, he came in. And of course, then I had learned a little bit and I I did the same thing again. And again, there was a way in which Jesus was in his scary vision of the nightmare from which he'd awakened. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time, that second time was the last time he came to our bedroom with a scary dream. I, I think he'd mm-hmm. learned that he could look for Jesus. So mm-hmm. Often God's answer to fear is not taking away the thing that makes us afraid. Usually his answer is, I'll be with you. Mm-hmm. I'll be with you. I am with you. Uh, so that was such a beautiful experience, not only as a dad, but also a reminder to me. When I feel those places of fear, something terrorizes me. God's answer is more likely to be something along the lines of, Alan, I'm with you right there. Don't mm-hmm. you worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a beautiful, inspiring illustration of 1 John 4, 18, that perfect love removes all our fear. And yeah. 
yeah, the way the Lord helped you to just be with your your son uh, in the fear. And we've all got that little kid in us. And at times we feel afraid, we feel insecure. Certainly the people that we relate to, that we serve, that we uh, shepherd, that we lead, uh, they have times that they feel afraid. And of course, uh, too often we do just say, well, don't be afraid. Or we, we give uh, a Bible verse or some great insight that we think will fix the situation. Um, but you're illustrating here that the power of, of presence, of, of empathy, of ministering grace and doing that prayerfully and, and connecting yeah. with Jesus in the moment. And you, even a child can learn that. Yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's such, such a good thing to remember that love really does displace fear. That's, that's the way we find a place of freedom from, from it. So uh, one last devotional. I mean, there's so many of these. We we could go through all of them, and we'd we'd be talking for many hours. Uh, yeah, long series apparently. <laughs> yeah, uh, start with rest. Mm. Uh, I thought this would be a good one to finish with, and this is one of your later devotionals in the book, coming out of Hebrews four eleven. One of my favorite verses. Mm. Uh, Make every effort to enter God's rest. As it's one of these great spiritual paradoxes we've been talking about. It right. It's like we. The Lord is saying we need to work hard at resting yeah. so that our, our work, our, our ministry, our service can proceed out of a soul that's under the Lord, that's uh, in, in holy Sabbath, that's in intimacy with God, and the fruit kind of comes off of us naturally, grows out of our life. So starting with rest, Sabbath is the first day, uh, and what i Appreciated, especially about this particular devotional and many of her devotionals, but you got real practical and you're, you're sharing about your own experience. Uh, I, I think everybody listening to me can relate to this. Certainly I can. But you're saying that first thing in the morning, sometimes you find yourself looking at your phone. I mean, we got it there next to our bed because maybe it's our alarm or because yeah. we have certain people in the family might call us and it's an emergency and they get through. And so we want to be, so there's good reasons why we might have our phone next to us. That's not like a, a, a sin or something, no. but it is a temptation. Yeah. And so you find yourself kind of sometimes like looking at the phone and, and checking in on the email, like first thing in the morning, you're like, wait a minute, this is not what I want to do. No, Exactly. I think, you know, as you said, we're not talking about some mortal sin that you know, your smartphone is sitting on your nightstand. But I realized that for me, uh, it was creating mornings of restlessness because inevitably I would, yes, it would go off. The alarm would go off because I wanted to get up at a certain time and I wasn't confident I would without a little help. But because I was using, you know, my multifunction smartphone, all the amazing things it can do for me. It meant that picking it up and looking at it, I saw the little red circle that said, oh, there's some stuff in my, you know, in my texting app and in my email app. Well, why don't I just take a quick look? What can it hurt? Get a little head start in the day. And inevitably, and not every single day, but a whole lot of days, there'd be at least one email that I'd see and go, oh, no. Oh, that's going to need some attention. You know, something went wrong, something's broken, so, you know, whatever, something. And then for that to be the first thing in my soul, just yeah. it didn't lead me to rest. So I decided, you know, because my wife and I, you know, both have a phone. She charges hers in the bedroom. That's the one that would be available for an emergency. Mine charges downstairs in our library. It's my office. And I often won't even pick that up for the first hour or two of the day 
I'll get up, I'll clear the kitchen. That's one of my little household chores and I'll make my coffee that I roasted myself and I'll enjoy that yeah. cup <laughs> and, and I'll read some scripture and I'll pray for people I care about and maybe I'll be quiet for a minute, whatever. And then I'll pick up the phone. So in other words, I've had a, I've had a chance to start my day a little more restfully. Now, admittedly, we've arranged our lives so that I have, I rarely take any morning appointments. It's just how over time we've, we've ended up rearranging our schedule. So as a result, I can do that. I know not everybody has that schedule and that's okay. Uh, you know, you rest the way you can. Don't try to rest the way you can't. And um, mm -hmm. so, but, but the last thing I would say is, as you said, that text in Hebrews reminds us that rest isn't always easy. In fact, when I'm fatigued, it's sometimes the hardest thing to do. It's just a whole lot easier to numb or to escape or to avoid, you know, because you know, at least when you're numb, you don't feel tired, you know, whether overeating or spending a lot of time in media or whatever it is you use to numb, you don't feel tired. But the problem is when the numb wears off, you're tireder uh, a lot of times. So mm -hmm. resting, actually finding refreshment, finding enjoyment in God, uh, receiving God's gift of rest when you're really tired is hard, but it's worth the effort. So, you know, it's not like resting is just being on top of a hill and putting your car in neutral and just letting it roll down. That's rarely refreshing. <laughs> so, yes, it requires a bit of effort. Well, it's such a good example of finding something practical. As you said, it, it doesn't have to be putting your phone in the library, but finding something that very practically sort of interrupts the inertia or the, the press of the day, the stress that we all experience that interrupts that, gets us to pause, to pray, to rest in God. That's what we need. And uh, that, that practical tool is, is so uh, uh, doable for us that we, yeah. we can do something like that. So another example from my life, I, I normally begin my day with running and hmm. uh, being outside in nature and meditating on scripture and praying. Uh, and then I it will normally extend that a little longer because when I'm done, I'll get, I'm like, oh, I'll check the phone. And it's like, I'm going to wait a little longer. And so I'll, I'll recite uh, scripture to myself. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So just waiting longer is an intentional disruption of the habit to get in and start working. Yes. Now, Lord, you're in charge of my work and yeah. I want to rest in you. That's the most important thing. So that's what I hear you illustrating with, with your uh, cell phone practice there of putting that in the library and not beginning your day with that. The first words belong to God and you want to, you know, pray first, be in God's presence first. And so good, so encouraging. And that's what you're helping us to do. And so all of you listening, I encourage you to get a copy of Alan Fadling's new book, A Year of Slowing Down. It's got daily devotionals. They all fit on a, a page coming out of a scripture verse and teaching us how to rest in God's beauty and goodness. And uh, the insights go, go in easy because Alan's very relaxed as he shares with us in his book and is just really inviting us into his journal. So that's that's a year of slowing down. And Alan, we just thank you for all the all the work and, and all the work at resting <laughs> that you did to be the kind of man who could write a book like this. 
Well, Bill, thanks so much. It's uh, it's always a treat to be together. And uh, thanks for this time. Yeah. So if you want to get a copy of, of A Year of Slowing Down or Alan's other books like uh, An Unhurried Life, you can do that wherever books are sold. You can do that at unhurriedliving.com or .org. I don't remember. Probably either. Would either one, I get think. You there. Yep. Yeah. Just type in unhurried living and you're going to, you're going to find the uh, unhurried find living t-shirt, Alan <laughs> Fadling. So thanks so much, uh, Alan, for being our guest on Soul Talk. So good to talk with you and just to hear what you've been doing and learning and how the Lord's using you and your ministry. Thanks, my brother. Appreciate it. Hey, friends, if you'd like to hear more from me and Alan Fadling on the topic of a year of slowing down, you can do that on our Soul Shepherding Network. We've got an additional 30 minutes of conversation on there for you. If you haven't joined our Soul Shepherding Network, it'd be a great encouragement to you. It has uh, lots of webinars and extended conversations, uh, soul care groups, and uh, hundreds of resources that are all graphically designed to help you in your personal soul care and in your ministry of leadership, discipleship, and helping others. So just come on over to soulshepherding.org, join the network. You'll find that on our website and you can learn all about it and uh, love to meet you there. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 